Hey, you are listening to a sermon that I believe is not just gonna help you today, but for a lifetime, God's word speaks right into our situations. And you may be feeling like, I don't know why I'm still praying for that thing. It hasn't happened for days, weeks, months, or years. When's it ever gonna happen? Well, listen, I've got a sermon about the power of persistence in prayer. Make sure you listen to the whole thing, and I'll see you on the other side. Hey church, this is Pastor Mike, your lead pastor here with a very important word as we are in this time of prayer. I want you to take your Bibles and open them up to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, verse one. And actually, I wanna encourage you to utilize a physical Bible as you're going through your weekly experiences with us online. It's just something about having a Bible without notifications, a Bible that you can highlight and underline and write in the margins of. There's just something about that that we value here at this church. So uh, if you have your Bibles, I'm giving you a few seconds to find it. Luke chapter 18, verse one. Now the context, of this scripture is that Jesus is telling a very important parable to his disciples. And as they are on this journey to follow him and learn this rabbi's ways and to take the yoke of his interpretation of scriptures, he is giving them an, a, an important parable that has some massive implications for you and I today. So in Luke chapter 18, verse one, it reads, and you can follow along on the screen as well. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man. This is verse five. Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. Verse six, and the Lord said, watch this, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? Verse eight, I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Come on. Nevertheless, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on earth? Come on, this, this text is so important. When we pray, sometimes our situation changes, but every time we change. God is calling us to be a people of prayer like never before. I've got two daughters. I've got a 14-year-old, pray for me, a six-year-old, pray for me. But I have unlocked the secrets of Luke chapter 18, verse one, because they have taught me the power of persistence. They are a battering ram on their dad. And they know that I want to give them anything and everything their hearts desired. And I'm trying so hard to not make them into spoiled brats. But there's just something about them persistently asking me over dad. And I'll tell you what, there have been many times. Julie, are you out there? Do you know what I'm talking about? 
There, there have been many times where I have made up in my heart, my wife and I have resolved, we are not giving them that thing, but they are so persistent about it. And somehow or another, that thing ends up in their lap, ends up in our home. Does any parents know what I'm talking about? The power of persistence. And in Luke chapter 18, verse one through eight, you know, Jesus is giving the disciples this illustration of a parable to simply tell them, you need to unlock the power of persistence. You need to unlock the power of persistence. What if I told you that the answer is on the way, but you, if you quit, you exempt yourself from being a candidate for a miracle? What if, what if I told you that there are some things that only come through persistence and they can't come through any other way? What if I told you that there are some answers that God wants to give to you, but it's going to come through persistence? And I know that we live in an instant society. I know that we are used to being able to log into our phone and instantly transact things and instantly see things. And if we want an answer, I remember life before Google. I was talking to my brother who's on the dating scene and I'm not going to link to his profile down below about how when I was younger, pre-internet era, um, when, when we liked a girl, we had to actually remember what she looked like because we would see her and then have to wait till we could see her again. Now you creepers can look at their Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Bumble, I don't know, and match, I don't know. And so it's like we live in this instant world where there used to be a delay. And even in modern times, there was a delay and that gap is closing. And so what happens is we have brought that lack of persistence into our prayer life. We've brought that lack of persistence into our willingness to dig into the scriptures and to truly know the word and to spend some time. I, I remember what it used to be like. I used to pour over the scriptures and yet what happens is the notifications on your phone become the notifications in your brain. And, and our attention span is constantly evolving and constantly changing. And Jesus knew and understood that if his disciples were going to advance the kingdom, if his disciples were going to fulfill the mission that they had on their life, that they were going to have to learn the power of persistence in prayer. As a matter of fact, when you look at chapter 18, verse one, it says this, and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always, somebody say always, that is a very restrictive word. It doesn't give us permission to ever take a break. It says always to pray and not lose heart. There's this connection between losing heart and ceasing from praying. Come on, I'm speaking into something right now. There's a connection between losing heart and ceasing from praying. There are things that you used to pray about that you will lose heart and that will interrupt the persistence of your prayer. But Jesus gave them this parable that they ought to not lose heart and that they ought to persist in prayer. But the moral and the lesson that we can extract from chapter 18 verses one through eight is actually very simple. It's that there was a judge and this judge neither respected or revered God or feared God nor man, which meant that this judge had no reason or no logic to his decision in respect to other people. This it, it actually, the revelation that you get from this text is that this judge was just simply selfish. He made decisions based solely on how he thought and he felt him and him alone. And so if you brought a matter to this judge, 
knowledge. You were never going to get a ruling that was in favor of God's heart. And you were never going to get a ruling that was in favor of your life or your heart because this judge neither feared other human beings nor God. And so what he said is even somebody who's in that condition, even somebody who is only regulated by their own thoughts and their own feelings and their own desires, if you are persistent, even with a person like that, you will unlock the desire in that which you are pursuing. And that's a profound revelation. People tell me all day long what's possible in their region. They told me what was possible in New York. But see, some of those people don't know the power of persistence. Because see, sometimes what you can't get done in a day, you can get done in a decade. And we've got to have the kind of persistence that says, I'm digging my heels in and I'm going to be stubborn. I don't think it's strange that when the Bible talks about warfare, it talks specifically about resisting the devil. Why? Not because he's powerful, but because he's persistent. And see, I'm trying to help you take one of his attributes that he has used to defeat you time and time again and put it as an arsenal in your weaponry because it says resist the devil. In other words, outlast him because the cross has rendered him powerless, but it doesn't mean that he can't still be persistent. And so you have to outlast the devil. You have to be more persistent and say, guess what, devil? You're going to have to bury me in New York because I believe in this region and you're not going to cause me to leave this region. Matter of fact, I've dug my heels in and through the power of persistence, I'm going to keep on knock, knock, knocking on heaven's. Okay. There's some times where we just say, God, what are you trying to teach me? Not by not giving the answer, but by rather restricting the timeline in which it's released. Because see, when we pray, it's not my will, it's thy will. But that doesn't mean that you're not a son or a daughter, that God is not trying to, to, to help you understand the role in which you play as you are interacting with your environment in this universe. And what was happening in Luke chapter 18, verses one through eight is very, very simple, yet very profound. You had first century, now follow me because we're going to go deeper, first century Jews. 2,000 years ago, it's another way of saying it, these were Jewish men who had been fully educated and indoctrinated in a religious belief system called Judaism. And see, that religious system was almost like this scaffolding that you have here in construction. And I need you to understand this because it'll help you unlock the mystery of the parable that Jesus was trying to teach in this text. And here's what it is. Right now, this is one of our locations and it's under construction. And this scaffolding is necessary for this construction to be completed. And what happens is, you know, construction workers get up on this and they climb it and it enables them to get up to different heights and they do their work. This scaffolding, scaffolding is essential. But there's going to come a point in this space that I'm in right now where the thing that was necessary in one season, come on, I wish you heard me teaching you today, is going to actually be in the way in the next season. The thing that was absolutely essential in one season here in this building, this scaffolding, is going to be a barrier in the next one. And see what happened was these, these Jewish men, they would have learned that there is one temple with two rooms. 
and animal sacrifices were happening in those rooms in order to satiate the sin of their people before God. And as an ancient people, they were far advanced to other ancient uh, civilizations because they believed in one God. And in that second room, you would find no idol. There was no physical representation of God. And so these Jewish men had a revelation of God that for their time was very profound. But how many of you know that Jesus has a way of taking us deeper? How many of you know that Jesus will say, hey, what you've got is good, but I'm taking you beyond good to great now. And see, some of you, there's this scaffolding in our life. There's these seasons where God will set things up in such a way. See, let me just back up a little bit more because as a first century Jewish person, and this was his audience for Luke chapter 18, this parable he's saying, you know, they would have a liturgy. So this liturgy would have been prayers that were predetermined that would actually be ritualistically read out loud. And, and so that liturgy would almost be like a check it off the checkbox. And see that, that was, and see, here's the thing, the law and the rituals that they had in that day were very necessary to teach us about the nature and the personality of God and the desires of God and the way in which God thinks about us and about the things that we do. And so we ought not dis dismiss Leviticus, even though we don't like reading it. We ought not discuss Deuteronomy, even though we don't like reading it because it was a scaffolding for God's people. And it was very necessary in this season. And he was saying, hey, you know, you're following this this rabbi who's actually the Messiah and I've come to empower you and take you beyond the ritual. Some of you, you pray for 30 seconds and then you run out of words because the liturgy that you learned in Catholicism was just the scaffolding for your soul. But God's getting ready to remove some scaffolding in this 21 days and get you into the next season. Some of you, 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 you said, well, I prayed about it for a day, Pastor Mike. I'm, I prayed about it for two days, but there's something about the scaffolding being removed. There's a depth that we have in prayer that we're going to learn in this house that's going to cause you to advance into the next season, but it's only going to be locked by the power of, come on, somebody say it, persistence. The power of persistence. Well, Pastor Mike, I've been praying about it for years. Come on, how many of those years are just a day to God? There's something that's going to break loose as a result of persistence. I told this story on Instagram weeks ago, 17 years old, I'm preaching in Gary, Indiana. And I got done with my sermon. It's very unusual, even in a spirit-filled church to pray more than five minutes nowadays. 20 something years ago, it was like, same thing. I started to feel awkward. And I, but the Holy Spirit said, be persistent. There's something that's going to transact that wouldn't happen any other way. Begin to pray, pray, pray. And then sure enough, 15 to 20 minutes into persistent prayer, a woman who is deaf in one of her ears for her entire life, it, it literally opened. She started screaming and running all over the church like she was physically on fire. I'm healed, I'm healed, I can hear, I can hear. But that didn't happen the first 30 seconds I started to pray. 
It didn't happen the first four minutes I started to pray. It didn't happen the first 10 minutes. Come on. And, and there's something about the persistence. There's something about staying in a place. There's something about ruminating in a prayer. There's something about pushing aside your schedule and the notifications. There's something about repeatedly going back to that place, staying in that place, just, just making up your mind. And, and Jesus was saying, in order to push the scaffolding aside and debut the thing that we are building called the new covenant, you are going to have to learn how to be persistent. Let me just give you guys one of my favorite examples in scripture of this very thing. In 2 Kings chapter 20, 2 Kings chapter 20, it says this, and I, I, this story illustrates the power of persistence. There's a man named Hezekiah and Hezekiah is the king. And it says he became sick and was at the point of death. And Isaiah the prophet, now listen, listen to what I'm saying, the implication of what I'm saying, because this is gonna give you a profound understanding of God's personality and God's ways. Because see, many of you are postured, and this is what religion, the scaffolding of re religion, is that you're postured as a peasant and a beggar. And, you, and to you, prayer is a wish to a genie. To you, prayer is just, even, even Pentecostals and Charismatics, to you, you're on the other end of the spectrum. Prayer is just uh, um, arm twisting with God. I'm gonna fast long enough until he gives me my desire. No, 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 there's something deeper at play and there's something about aligning our theology so that our doxology starts getting right, okay? And so I need you to see God and the way in which he interacts with Hezekiah because there's something here for you. In verse, tw in verse one, it says, in those days, Hezekiah became sick and was at the point of death. And Isaiah, the prophet, the son of Amos came to him and said to him, thus saith the Lord, this is God talking. Okay. Set your house in order for you shall die and shall not recover. Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Now watch, wait, let's just back up. If you have religion and the tradition of men at the bedrock and the very foundation of your belief system, and the prophet comes to you to tell you you're dying, guess what you go to do? Write your will. <laughs> you go to make your bed and lay up in that bed waiting to die. But see, Hezekiah understood something about the God of Abraham and Jacob and Isaac. Come on, he understood something about the God of Moses. He understood something about the God of Joseph and the God of David. He said, wait a second. I know that what the prophet is saying is true, but there's truth with the lowercase t, and then there's a truth that comes with a capital T as a result of the persistence of prayer. And he begins to do something. It says in verse two, then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and he did what? He prayed to the Lord and he said this in verse three, now, O Lord, please remember how I have walked before you in faithfulness and with a whole heart and have done what is good in your sight, God. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Verse four, and before Isaiah had gone out to the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him and watch this verse five, turn back and say to Hezekiah, so Isaiah now comes back. He turns to Hezekiah, the leader of my people, thus says, says the Lord, God of David, your father, watch this. I have heard your prayer and I have seen your tears. 
Behold, I will heal you. On the third day, you shall go up to the house of the Lord. I feel the power of God surging through me right now. Somebody is getting a word. In verse six, and I will add 15 years to your life and I will deliver you and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, Assyria and I will defend this city for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. Now verse seven, and Isaiah said, come on, bring a cake of figs and let, let's lay it on the boil and that he may recover. And this is what he said. I want you to focus in on this word. In verse six, it says this, I will add 15 years to your life. I will deliver you out of the hand of the king of Assyria and I will defend this city for your own sake and for my, for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. See, when Hezekiah prayed, there was a, I wish somebody would get this in their spirit right now. God was saying, I heard you. I saw the tears as they came down, but the reason why I'm going to heal you and extend your life is bigger than you. Because what's inside of you is bigger than the enemy of the Assyrians that's around you and saving you is for the saving of many. And see, I need you all to understand that there's something inside of you. When we, when, we, when we pray, we're not trying to manipulate God. We're not trying to conform Him to our will. But if God does the very thing you're asking for, He's saying, I'm doing it for my sake and for the sake of David. And you know what that represented? Legacy. Because through the line of David was going to come Jesus Christ. And he was, and so whenever God answers your prayer in the way that you prayed it, he's saying, I'm answering it for my sake and I'm preserving legacy because there's people connected to you. And I need you to understand that God is not gonna let no pain be wasted. See, because when Hezekiah began to pray, you know who changed? God didn't change. It, it would seem as if God changed his mind. No, something in Hezekiah was changed. See, there's a way you pray that you wouldn't pray any other way until there's that sickness or that illness. And no, God doesn't desire for us to be sick. It said that he actually took stripes upon his back so that we could be healed. But in all things, let it drive us to a closeness with God that says whether it works out the way that I wanted it or whether it doesn't, you are still to be praised. And even if you answer the prayer in the way that I prayed it, it's for your name's sake and it's for your legacy to be established through my life. And that's what changes. Because you know what we've turned God into? We've turned God into this Hey, come to, come to him. And, and, and it's like, here's the thing. I think for me, I, I was thinking about this. When I was growing up, my mom, there was a pastor who was like, so a seed financially for healing. Well, guess what's wrong with that theology? The price has already been paid. You, you can't, you, and, and I get it, but my mom, I never forget my mom being in this church and sow your seed. So, and and I, I wore glasses ever since I was a really little kid. And my mom just hated the fact that her son had to wear glasses since I was four years old. And I'll never forget my mom being on welfare, sow this seed so that you could be healed. And guess what? I still wear glasses. And, and sometimes when you're wrestling with the depth of your Christian faith, 
people will say, well, surely God doesn't exist because this poor mother gave some money and her, his eyes weren't supernaturally healed. But then at the same time, I have been preaching services. I was in Colombia and I was preaching in Latin America and somebody's blind eyes opened right in front of me. And I can't explain to you why God did it for them. And yet I still have astigmatism. But, th but there's a depth that says this scaffolding. You know, sometimes when you pray your simple prayer, you know, I hear stories all the time of people who watch our broadcast and they just say, they cry out and they're sinners and they don't know God and they, they get arrested by the Holy Spirit in that moment and they, and they, they say a simple prayer, God, uh, please, please save me, God. And they're just wrecked and they're crying and they're weeping and, and they're, it's so amazing. And yet there's other people who have been in church for years and they say, Pastor Mike, I've labored in prayer and I don't feel anything. You know, Tommy Tenney said something years ago that really resonated with me. And now that I have daughters, it's, there's even more of a richness to it. He said that he likes to play this game with his daughters because he's this big adult. And they're these little kids. This was years and years ago. He gave this illustration where he said, I can outrun my daughters all day long. But what I like to do is just get up ahead of them enough and they try to get me and they, don't, they can't get me and I'll, I'll keep that going and they're giggling and laughing at the thought of like, I'm gonna get my dad, I'm gonna get my dad. And he's like, right at the moment where they, they feel like they're gonna give up on catching me, I'll turn around and I'll just run after them and embrace them. See, there's something about the persistence of your prayer. There's something about when Hezekiah wept bitterly, God was doing something inside of the core of his character. God was provoking him. Come on, chase me, Hezekiah. Come on, Hezekiah, run after me, Hezekiah. Come on, you need me now, yeah. And see, even God will allow us to be in this place of need because he's changing us. And yeah, the healing's gonna come. Yeah, the deliverance and the freedom's gonna come. But there's something, something, so profound that happens when we chase after God. Chase after God. I'll tell you this, there's a beloved pastor here on Long Island named Doug Jansen, who is in critical condition. And, and we are praying for him as a church. COVID took him to the place of a ruptured lung and he's connected to a ventilator. And, but I'll tell you what's happening in his midst. There is a fervency and an intensity and a passion of prayer in his church and beyond the borders of his church, even in V1, that's rising up like never before. And I, I just believe that there is a persistence in prayer and I, I'm gonna close now. But you know, when I was 15 years old, that's when I began to experiment with the persistence of prayer. That was really when I fell in love with God. 15 years old, I remember beginning to just get alone. And, and I, I'll never forget the very first time I said, what happens if I pray longer? What happens if I pray longer? What happens if I pray longer? What happens? And I remember this ecstasy and this euphoria and this intensity that would begin to fill the atmosphere around me. And, and it, sometimes it happened one hour and two hours, three, four. Now I was 15 years old with obviously not a wife and kids. But see, I learned something and I believe in the foundation of my, my walk and my belief in Christ, there was, this, there was this persistence in prayer he was building. And we don't chase feelings. We don't chase experiences. But when you chase him, you will eventually encounter some things that are simply unexplainable. And I believe that we've gotten to this place 
where the scaffolding is being removed and God's saying, that was really good for 2019. That was really good for 2017. That was really good for 2014. That was really good for 2011. But I want I want to take you somewhere you've never been, but you're going to have to pray longer. You're going to have to put change your schedule for me. You're going to have to accommodate me in a way that you haven't accommodated me in a long time. You're going to, it's going to be hours, not minutes this time. I, I want to reveal things. I want to show you things. You know, I think about Hannah. Hannah, it says that she prayed and to the point in the temple where it was as if she was simply intoxicated. They dismissed her as a drunk woman. But see, she was so passionate about the idea that she didn't have to be infertile. She was so passionate about the God of miracles doing a miracle in her that guess what happened? She conceived Samuel the prophet to the nation of Israel. Some of you, we're in 2020 and 2019 and the doctors told you that you were infertile and you are holding the baby of the promise of his wonder working power. Some of you in our church were told you couldn't conceive and you are pregnant right now. We serve the God, but there's something that, that it did to your prayer life. It's something that it did to you. It's something about the power of persistence. Come on. Right now, here's what I want you to do. Because we're 21 days prayer and fasting, we're going in. I want you to begin to press in with me right now. I want you to just pray. Come on, we're just gonna lift it up right now as a church because there's a Hezekiah who's watching and the Lord's getting ready to respond to you. I've seen your tears. I've heard your prayer and I'm gonna heal you for my name's sake. And I'm gonna do more with your life than you ever imagined. Come on, there, there's something about this that's being released to somebody. So let's just begin to pray. Heavenly Father, every single person who's watching right now, some of us have given up on you. Some of us have held an offense towards you. I, I don't know why, I just feel like very strongly, Father, forgive us for holding an offense against you. Come on, somebody's getting deliverance right now. Say those words out of your own mouth. Father, I, I ask forgiveness for holding offense against you. Not my timeline, your timeline. Not my will, your will. Father, you see me, you hear me. But Lord, I believe that you're gonna do it according to your will. Come on, just begin to lift it up. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the needs that are represented. I thank you that every single day of this fast as a church, you are teaching us the power of persistence. The scaffolding of other seasons is being pushed away as you are revealing the new. And Jesus, I thank you. I thank you that you are waiting for us in intimacy. You are waiting for us. There are moments that are waiting, that are waiting, that are waiting. Come on, I wanna say one more thing. And then we're done. There was a time where my brothers and sisters and I would pray. And you know, I just, God's doing this in me. And you know, oftentimes in the church, it starts with the head and it goes down. It, you know, and, and we used to pray together, me and my siblings, and we'd put that worship music on and we would just start to pray. And we would speak in tongues and we would prophesy over each other and we would lay our hands on each other's belly and speak a word. And we would lay each other's hands on our heads and we would take turns and we would praise. We'd bring our mom and we'd pray. And there was just something so pure, even as siblings. I mean, this is like under the age of 18. This is like teenagers, preteens, just praying. But I can't tell you how many times 
it was five minutes in, 10 minutes in, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And there was this one time in particular where spontaneously the glory of the Lord just was released in, in the hallway. We used to pray in our hallway and it was me and Sam and Sarah and us three were in the hallway and we would, this is just, I don't know the way we prayed. We would just walk back and forth in the hallway. You know, we have our music on and we would pray and just in the hallway. And all of a sudden, spontaneously, all at the same time, all three of us just dropped to the floor under the weight of the glory. And we started laughing and laughing and laughing. And you know, the truth is our life was a living hell. The truth is we were living in a mouse infested house poverty, but the glory of the Lord came and we all three spontaneously fell at the same time and could not stop laughing. And there was such an outpouring of the joy of the Lord. And then we were yelling for our mom, come on, mom, come on, come on in, come on in, come on into the glory. And my mom's like, you guys are messing with me, you're playing. And then my mom, she came walking up and as soon as she, there's something about that hallway, she got into the hallway and she just fell out. And we were all, and I'll never, one of my most, most treasured memories memories is just me and my two siblings and my mom just laughing, 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 laughing on the floor of our house on Southeastern in Hammond, Indiana. And I think that so often, you know, we talk about emotional health. Well, guess what? We're going to preach on that as a church. But if you put your emotions in the number one slot, that's not the original design of humanity. See, you are a spirit first. And, and this dirt body guess what? It's not eternal. And you will never be emotionally healthy until you are first spiritually connected. If you don't have a connection to the Holy Spirit and you are not a person of prayer, there are no self-help books and there's no psychiatry or psychology that will simply help you and bring you into the fullness of emotional health because all emotional health stems from time with your heavenly father. And yes, we're gonna deepen our understanding of our emotions, but we ought not to elevate our emotions above our spirit. As a matter of fact, emotions are closely, closely related to our flesh and our spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak. Our feelings, yeah, there's a place for that. We're gonna to continue to talk about that. Make sure you come back next week for that word. But I'm telling you, in the natural, our life was a living hell. But then if you were able to see what the power of persistent prayer produced was me and two siblings and my mom rolling on the floor, laughing so hard we are crying. Didn't happen 30 seconds in a prayer. It didn't happen three minutes in a prayer. It didn't even happen 30 minutes in a prayer. It happened hours in a prayer. And I just want us to have the main, I hope even the band behind me, I, I, I hoped to stir a desire in all of us that you would just be like, man, what is wrong with me? When did I become this kind of Christian? When did, when did it become so patty cake? When did, when, did I be, when did I go from a powerful warrior to just a pushover? When did, when did I become this thing? Because it's a call back to, to long prayer. It's a call back to, 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 to burning the midnight oil. It's a call to losing some sleep. It's a call to getting off of work and being like, I gotta get into prayer. I, you know, I'll tell you this, this is, this is convicting my own heart, but, and I pray a lot, my God. But there's just, there's something about this, it's not enough. You know, Jesus prayed before daybreak 
according to the Jewish people, which was hours before sunrise. There's just something about that. Let me just pray for you and then, and then we're gonna end this service. Father, provoke us with a holy hunger to be more than cultural Christians. We push aside a flag, an agenda, a political party. We push aside all of that. It's meaningless. We push aside an agenda. We push aside our own self-imposed timelines. We push aside all of it and we repent for elevating our will above your will. We, we push aside our desires for things and when we will have those things and by what age we will have those things and by what age we will become those things. And we cry out that we will only be what you desire for us to be on the timeline that you've created for our life. We are first and, for, first and foremost your children and we forsake all others to be more like you. We forsake all other programming and, and all other institutionalized learning that has molded us into something that is so contrary to your word. Father, what you call sin, it's sin now. Whew. What you say is sin is sin. What you say is right is right, and what you say is wrong. We will be people of your heart and your word and your desire. Lord, we're not changing you. You're changing us. Come on, Dylan. Come on. Come on, just surrender. Come on, dear Father. I'm living with a fire burning inside of me. I'm living for the Savior, Jesus, eternally. With all that I am, Lord, I give you my heart. So let the flame shine bright in the sky. The praising Come on, just take twenty seconds and just thank God. Just take 20 seconds all over this place, just with a heart of gratitude. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that we're here right now. Thank you that we're still alive and well. Thank you that we made it thus far. Thank you that you chose us before the foundations of the earth. Thank you that we're privileged to hear your word. Thank you, Father, that we can pray and praise and that we can worship. Thank you, Father. I thank you for the pain. I thank you for the joy. I thank you, Father. I'm just so thankful, God. Thankful for this church. Thankful for your people. Thank you for our connect group leaders. Thank you, Father God, for 
our worship leaders and tech team. Thank you, God, for our parents. Thank you, God, for everybody in our life, Lord, that our bosses. Thank you. I, I just, there's a freedom in the thank you. Father, thank you. Thank you for the people that are sandpaper to our soul. Thank you, Father. Lord, we just lift you up and we thank you for all that you're gonna do. Come on, V1 Church, listen. Tomorrow, tomorrow, 7 a.m., Instagram Live prayer. Another topic, another day. Come on, what's good for Sunday? We can eat, we can eat some leftovers on Monday, but God's got a new word. 7 p.m., Instagram, live prayer, noon from my page. I'm gonna see you there. Come on, live at lunch. Let's go in, let's continue. Come on, don't grow weary. Keep on fasting, keep on pushing, and keep on praying. I love you guys, and I will see you next Sunday for church service. Invite a friend. Well, hey, thank you so much for sticking around all the way till the end. I want you to do something. Download the V1 Church mobile app right now. Search V1 Church, whether it's for Apple or Google Play, whatever your device is, you can find our mobile app where you can sign up for connect groups, meet people via Zoom wherever you live around the world. You can give financially to help us just reach so many more people with the gospel. Uh, there's additional content that we put on there, bonus stuff just to help build you up in your faith. Make sure you go download the V1 Church mobile app right now, and I'll see you next week.